Well, good morning. So we have been going through the book of Matthew, and if you remember as we're going through the book of Matthew, the, the, the mantra from the beginning is that Matthew was a Jewish man writing to a Jewish audience about a Jewish Messiah, okay? And so, again, important to remember that as we go through, we have considered then the lineage of Messiah, which was very important um, because he had to be um, of a certain lineage in order to be who he was. We've considered his birth then, the preparation of his ministry, the message and such, the authority, many weeks, months, in looking at the instruction that he gave. A few weeks ago, probably about a month ago, looking at his entrance into the land and then um, or into the city of Jerusalem. And then the last couple of weeks, looking at how he's been examined in Jerusalem at the temple and how they've been kind of questioning him and challenging his authority and such. And last week, David got to do the exciting passage of the woes. And... Uh, um, was it exciting, David? <laughs> Good. And so, so I came back just in time to do the exciting portions of, of the return of Christ. I mean, this really is exciting, isn't it? I don't know. But I find this part, when we look at this, to be very, very exciting. Before we jump into this, I want you to turn over to Luke 21. Luke 21. And I want to read a couple of verses here because um, Luke gives us one little detail that I think is going to be important as we come into this as well. And I'm going to read just down from beginning of verse 20. Down a couple of verses, okay? Luke says, When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, okay, so this gives us a what? A timing, a detail, okay? When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you know its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. We read that in Matthew, okay? Let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are on the country, in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant, and to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword, and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles, until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled." And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them from fear and expectation of those things which are coming upon the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken and so forth. So I don't want to continue on Luke because we're looking at Matthew this morning, um, and the remaining of that is similar. That one detail that helps us out, though, is the time of the, the Gentiles, okay? That Jerusalem is going to be sacked. And then we're going to have this period of time that didn't take God by surprise, that many times we refer to as the church age or the age of grace. When we went through dispensationalism a year and a half ago or so, we took a little break and took seven weeks to go through studying the concept of dispensationalism. Um, we are currently, people refer to in the dispensation of the church or the dispensation of grace. Okay, Biblically, I refer to that as what? No, it's not the church age. It's the age of the Gentiles. Jesus just said so. Okay, the time of the Gentiles. We're in the time of the, the time of the Gentiles. So if you want to put a, a biblical title to it, it's really not the church age. It's the time of the Gentiles. Again, we're studying the book of Matthew. It's by a Jewish man writing to a Jewish audience about the Jewish Messiah, right? So, we got to consider this from a Jewish perspective. So, from the perspective of the Jews, 
what are we in? The time of the Gentiles. Do you get it? Now, we like to think about it as the church age because we're part of the church, okay? okay? But the reality is, it's a time when God has set aside Israel and has opened up the gospel to the Gentiles. Read Romans 10 and 11. Exciting stuff. We don't have time for all that right now. But, he, but Paul talking very detailed about how Israel was set aside to open up the gospel to the Gentiles. And the purpose of us receiving the gospel is to make the Jews jealous. Because God's going to once again work again through Israel. Israel's going to become a nation again. That's what we're talking about with the return of Messiah. When, when Messiah returns, it's going to open up that time once again. The age of the Gentiles is going to be done. That mystery is going to be completed. And all of a sudden, he's going to begin working in Israel one more time. And then we know that after he works in Israel for seven years, to fulfill the final week of Daniel's vision, Daniel chapter 9. Okay, I don't have time to get into that. But when he fulfills that, that final week of the 70 weeks of Daniel's vision, that's what we refer to as the tribulation period. Okay, seven years. Where, where the Antichrist is going to make a covenant with Israel. For seven years, in the midst of that seven years, it's halfway through it, he's going to break the covenant. Okay? And so the beginning of those, that seven years, when we see the two witnesses come upon the earth, the temple is measured, because the temple is going to be on the earth, kind of fun stuff. And the two witnesses are going to be on the earth, and they're going to display all these wonderful things. And after, at the end of three and a half years, they're going to be killed. Their bodies are going to be laid out in the middle of Jerusalem. Every eye is going to look upon them. Internet. Isn't it kind of exciting when you begin to read the Word of God and you realize how all this is playing out? Because God knew. Okay? And so there are webcams everywhere, and so they're going to have this webcam on the two prophets that have been going, you know, standing in for, for God for three and a half years, and no one could do anything to them, and now they destroyed them, and they killed them. They, yay, the whole world is going to be partying. And three and a half days later, they're going to resurrect. Bam! They're going to come alive, and it's going to be caught on webcams, and everybody's going to see it. Exciting stuff. But then the Antichrist is really going to come out in all of his flesh. And the mark of the beast is all going to be there, and all that stuff's going to happen. It's really kind of exciting stuff, okay? So, the, the disciples, they don't know any of this. We know all this because the book of Revelation, and Thessalonians, and all, all these other writings that we received after the fact. They haven't got this. What they've got is the prophets. They understand Daniel. They understand some of that, right? But how it's all playing out, they don't know. All they know is that they're in Jerusalem with the king, right? And so at the beginning of the chapter, we read they're here in the, in the court, um, the Temple Mount, and they're looking on the temple, right? And they're, they're just marveled by it, and they point, out, point it out to Jesus. And Jesus says an amazing thing to him. He says, do, do you not see all these things? As surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Do you see this beautiful temple? It's going to be gone. Could you imagine that? If there was one major source of pride for Jewish people, it would have been the temple. Yeah, it wasn't Solomon's temple anymore. Because that was gone. It was rebuilt. Ezekiel, okay? And so, but that's exactly this is the Herodian thing here okay but yes they they would think wow this is this is key you know because we got the temple you know and god says i'm going to do it again i'm going to have my temple wiped out i'm going to have my my home wiped out and jesus is there god in the flesh he's the king the one they've been waiting for and he tells them don't look at it 
It's gone. It's destroyed. Now, what's really interesting is because we know, again, from the church side now, is the temple of God gone? No. It's just been what? It's just been replaced. Where is the temple of God in each one of us? How cold is that? Do you see yourself as glorious as that, that building? If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are the temple of God. It's an amazing thing. Anyways, so they then go. This is now as they sat on the Mount of Olives. So from here, they take a trip, okay? And they're going to go up onto the Mount of Olives. And they're looking down then at this thing, okay? And so you could just almost see the disciples kind of pondering what Jesus said. And they're kind of putting together some of this stuff. They're kind of starting to analyze this because Jesus had just told them at the end of the previous chapter, he's going to what? He's going to die. You know, after two days, it's going to be the Passover, yada, yada, yada. And Son of Man's going to be handed over. He's going to die. Okay? And so they're putting all this together, and they're looking down, and they're thinking, okay, something more has got to be happening here. So they ask him the question. So tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? So they're starting to put this together. Jesus is going to die. But he's what? He's going to come back. So, what's it going to look like? Because clearly you told us what? The temple is going to be gone. So, how is this going to play out, Jesus? That's what we're going to get into. We're going to talk about his return. We're going to spend two weeks on this. And so, you can see on your sermon note sheets, uh, on the back side, there's two more E's. Those are for next week, okay? Today, we want to first of all look at the environment of his return, okay, which Jesus gives us immediately right off the bat. And he warns them right off the bat with this and, and states to them, he says, Be careful that no one what? Deceives you. Now, the word deceive here, um, there are different words for deceive, but the word that's used here is, literally means to be led astray. So, like someone takes you by the hand almost and they lead you down a wrong path. Okay, so so keep that in your mind because someone's leading you astray. Okay, they're not just deceiving you and you're going someplace, but you're following. Does that make sense? That's kind of the idea. There's a following concept. They're leading you astray. Okay, so he says, be careful that no one leads you astray. Okay, and he's going to come back to that. We'll talk about that again in a moment because he says, for many will come in my name saying, I am. You read Christ for the Jewish people. What did he really say? Messiah, okay? So you I am Messiah, I'm Mishiach, okay? And it says, and they will deceive how many? Many. They'll deceive many, okay? And then he gets into this first sign, the sign of international conflicts, okay? Nation, you're going to hear about wars, the rumor of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For ethnos will rise against ethnos. Now, that's important because the word ethnos can mean nation, but literally ethnos can, is, is really what? A people group. It's a people group, an ethnicity. Okay? And so, uh, as a people group, many times we record it as a, a nation. But I can tell you that Yugoslavia was a nation for many years, but it was made up by many ethnos. And when they had the opportunity, those ethnos, what? <laughs> Became not Yugoslavia again. So I am Croatian, okay, and gypsy. And, but but <laughs> keep your wallet in your pocket. Anyways, um, but I'm not really Yugoslavian. 
Does it make sense? Because the Croatians, though they were a part of Yugoslavia, never were part and parcel with the Serbians. Make sense? So even the language that Jessica and, many, and I years ago were starting to, to learn, it was Serbo-Croatian. And then I realized, well, that was just the, the, the military side. Of it, and it was really more Serbian than it was Croatian. So we had to relearn a whole lot of stuff, you know, to come back over to the Croatian side. But there are ethnos. So ethnos is going to rise against ethnos. So, so we have nation against nation. But really, we have even within nation against nation, we have people group against people group. And he says... This is only the what? It's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. Okay? And so you've got all these things that are going to be going on. Okay? And then he goes on. He says, um, For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be, secondly, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are just the beginning of sorrows. It's really amazing because, again, go back 300 years ago. Okay, I know it's kind of hard to do that. But kind of think historically. Go back 300 years ago. What mode of communication would they have had? They didn't have the Internet. I mean, I know you guys are younger. You can't figure out what smartphone, what life without a smartphone would be like. But no, no. Say again. 300 years ago, Pony Express. Probably at best, yeah. Yeah. Because 300 years ago here, that would be 1700s. They could have, you know. Where was, uh, Donkey Express, yeah, good. Uh, but or they could have been if it was a, if it was a, a what do you call it? A special dispatch would have put somebody in a horseman to go. But a lot of times they were just postmen. Sometimes they could have been on a coach. Okay. Now I'll take you back itself a thousand years. What are communications like? Huh? Well, yeah. Okay. So where I'm going with this is. A tsunami happens in Indonesia. And you live in the United States in the 1700s. You didn't even know it happened. If you heard about it, it would have been what? Months, if not years later. Now we hear about these things what? Instantaneously. Put your finger there in Matthew 24. Go back to Daniel chapter 12. I love the Word of God. It's so, so rich. It's got so much information that if we just studied it, how much is so there? Daniel 12, verse 4. After all these things that God has written to Daniel, he says to Daniel, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro. We just talked about the fact. I mean, I've just been in, all, in, in Oregon and then all through Washington, right? And it took me four hours to fly out there and do all I want to do and then four hours to come back. How long was your flight, Connie? Four hours to California. You think about that. Just 300 years ago again, you won't even think about this. I mean, we're talking about Oregon Trail, right? And many people didn't make, make it, right? So we're talking about months to take a trip like that, Okay. And so here we are, okay? You could, you could be at church. In fact, I meant to show on, on one of the maps. Where's Steve at right now? He's in Uganda. He's halfway around the world. They did it in a day. Isn't it amazing? Got on a plane in Washington, went to Entebbe, went from Entebbe to Uganda, you know, and boom, there they are in 
today, actually today, right now, he's probably getting ready for bed. And so, and they've already been serving, already been doing church. It's already happened. And, and in just a few hours, they're going to be getting up and they're going to start going at it um, and witnessing. So be praying for Steve through the afternoon, knowing that actually they're going to be waking up before you go to bed tonight. Ask that God gives them strength because they're actually going to be going out in the streets, right? But all this is going on. So they're going to run to and fro, okay? We can go wherever we want. And look what it says next. And knowledge shall what? Knowledge shall abound or increase. Again, I can pull out my cell phone, okay, and forget Collier's Encyclopedia. Growing up, my dad bought a set of Collier's Encyclopedia, and I'm one of those nerds who just love to read it. Okay, I would just read Collier's Encyclopedia. I, I, there was nothing else to do, anyways. And so, you know, and I would just study this, study that, study this. Study that. You ask my mom and dad; they'll tell you. I did. I just you just sit there and just read the encyclopedia. And um, but I don't even. I, we well, that's not true. We still have our our encyclopedias up on the shelf, but they're more of a uh, a decoration, a memento of the past, a memorial of a time past is gone. I don't know when the last time they were opened up. We probably made the kids use them still, even though they're so antiquated, you know, just so they know what a real encyclopedia is, you know. I remember with Jessica, we'd go down to the, the, the library downtown because they had microfish, and we could get all the, the um, Augusta Chronicles back from the 1800, and we were studying the floods of Augusta, you know, and going to all the microfish. You know, you pull all that stuff up right here at a click. I mean, I could just say, hey, Google, Bring up the, the flood of 1912 in Augusta, you know, or whatever. And it's going to come up. Or can you play me the song and it's going to play? It's just, it's scary. Yeah, actually, it is scary because guess what? They can listen to you anytime they want to. Okay? So information is going to abound. And so here we are about these, the, the, the whole concept of these famines and pestilence and earthquakes. And they're going to continue to increase more and more and more. I don't know if they've continued to increase more and more or that we what? We just know about them more and more and more, okay? But Jesus said there's going to be a greater frequency. So, um, so it's just kind of interesting. So it's going to be marked by natural disasters. There's a third thing, though, that he gets into a little bit more. Then he says, um, these are just the beginning of sorrows. Oh, and I want to talk about these are the beginning of sorrows. That, that's the concept there of birth pains, okay? So Jill just went through that this week. And actually, my daughter Jessica went through. So I've got a new grandbaby, too, this week. And, um, and so you ladies who have had babies, right, you know that there is the point where you start having the, 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 the cramping just a little bit. And you're like, oh, is it? Is it? And then all of a sudden, oh, I'm Braxton Hicks. You know, is it? Is it? Braxton Hicks. But then all of a sudden it happens and you say what? It, it's, this, it's real this time, right? And it's, ooh, this is good. And you start nesting. You know, it's a really good thing when you nest because the house gets really cleaned, you know, and it's really kind of a nice thing. But then all of a sudden it's the, ooh, this is really neat, goes to what? Oh, why did I do this again? Anyways, yeah. and all of a sudden it starts, and then you go through transitional labor, right? And that's really not a pleasant moment, but for the joy that's coming, right? Okay, that's what this is. This is just the beginning of those pains, is what the, the word means, okay? So the beginning of sorrows. And so this is the concept. This is just the beginning of the birth pains, and Paul picks up on that in the book of Thessalonians and, and talks about the, the birth pains, and that we should know it. Again, I don't want to go there, uh, but you can look, look it up and check me out on this one. But Paul says that these times shouldn't come upon us unaware. But it should be coming like a woman who was pregnant. And so for Jill, praise God, she's got her baby. But I told him a couple, I said, look, you know, I think it was two weeks ago. I said, within two months, you're going to have a baby. And, you know, a woman's like, I better have it within two months, you know. But 
but I'm not a prophet. I can't pick the day, but I know that you're what? You're there, and it's ready to burst one way or the other, right? Baby's coming. We ought to be able to look at the world in the same way. It's ready to give birth. Does that make sense? We ought to be able to look and to see that the world is becoming greater and greater and greater and ready for this thing to happen. So that's the picture that goes on. So he goes on then, and he talks about this third category, though. Verse, beginning verse 9, says, They will deliver you up to tribulation... Okay, this is not the word for troublesome situations. This literally is a very tri- uh, tribulation. This is this is like awful. Okay, and they will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. And then many will be offended, and will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness abounds, the love of many will wax or grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the ethnos, all the nations, and then the end will come. It's going to be marked by spiritual struggles. The first one Jesus talks about is deception. Deception. He says, be careful, because there are going to be many false prophets who come about. Know any uh, false prophets? His name would be Joseph Smith. We could go on with many others. The Bible's very clear about what a false prophet is. It's someone who's proclaimed something to be true, and it's, and it's not true. Okay? And so, Joseph Smith, the Book of Mormon, Mormonism, is a cult. It's a false religion. Jehovah's Witnesses is a false religion. Religion. I could keep going on, okay? But anything that goes on, it's a false religion. It says, be careful lest they come. And so we have false prophets today. I mean, I, I mean, you could go on with this health and wealth stuff that's, that's leading people astray. It's just amazing the, the stuff that people are following today, okay? And again, they're being led astray, okay? But being led means that you are what? You're following, okay? And so you're being led astray. Okay, so deception, we've got to be careful. Yeah. How about the prophetess down there? The church of Oprah. It's one of the fastest, largest churches in the world, the church of Oprah. I'm really kind of shocked that she didn't run, run for president. Okay, and I'm not trying to get political here. Maybe, maybe four years from now. Okay, be kind of interesting to, to, to see how all this plays out. Okay, she is one of the most influential people in the world. It's an amazing thing. Okay. Persecution. They're going to they're gonna bring tribulation upon you and kill you. We can go back to the early days of the church when they put them into the... Um, help me out. Coliseum, that's not the right word. Is it the word? Is it? Coliseums? What would you say, Chuck? Okay. And uh, fed them to the lions. Um, sometimes they would bring the gladiators in with them, but they found it was more entertaining for the people to watch the Christians being eaten by lions. Could you imagine? I mean, we got some pretty weird stuff on our TVs right now. Pretty, I mean, it's getting... Think about it. The stuff that's being shown on TV is getting weirder and weirder and weirder and weirder. Okay? And I could see this. You know? I really can see this coming in our day. I don't know. I hope not. But with some of the stuff they're, they're putting on, they probably have a following. 
They probably have people watching this stuff, you know? And so we have, around the world, Christians being persecuted even today in many, in many ethnos groups, in many nations. Jesus said, way back in the beginning, when he taught on the Sermon of the Mount, Blessed are you when what? When men shall revile and persecute. Keep going, Don. For what? For my name's sake. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you for my name's sake. You can be persecuted and you can be reviled. But if it's not for the name of Jesus, you brought it on yourself. Does that make sense? Okay? But the day's going to come, and it's, we're getting close to it, where people aren't going to be able to stand, even stand the name of Jesus. That's why when I got the... the to talk to that woman on the plane for four hours. I got a disciple woman for four hours from Portland to, to Atlanta. It was really exciting stuff. Marsha was sitting up one row and over because we were separated, both in middle seats. She says, I heard you speaking for four hours. And uh, that's kind of cool, though. That meant that what? Everybody else around her. And I mean, I was just sharing all kind of stuff and the gospel and all. Because I didn't know what, where she was, what angle she was from. And so I just loved to teach, you know. And so she just had to ask some questions and and I just, she says, I heard, I didn't hear her talking. I said, well, she's soft spoken, honey. There's times that I, did, the times when you didn't hear me speak, that she was talking. And um, she says, that wasn't much. <laughs> anyways, so, <laughs> anyways, but how exciting because, I mean, I can't imagine. I, I thought a couple times, I wonder if how many people around me can hear me and how many people are a little frustrated at me right now. You know, they're, they're like wanting to, to tear my chair out and throw me out the, the exit door. Yeah, no. Hey, but this is your choice. You came. Anyways. <laughs> but but that, it's going to happen. I mean, the days are going to come. If I start speaking the name of Jesus on a plane, I'm probably going to be asked to be quiet. Or I'm probably going to be arrested. Because I'll be offending people all around me. Make sense? And they're going to assume that what I was doing was proselytizing. You can't proselytize in a lot of nations. If you read Jonathan's um, bishop's last um, email, he was talking about a guy he knew who's been over in the Middle East for 12 years, and he's now being asked to leave because he actually overtly proselytized somebody who had finally come to that point, and it was found out that he actually then crossed that line. And so after 12 years of ministering in that ethnos group, in that nation, he's being told to leave. Because he overtly, it's coming, it's coming. But the one for us, the big one for us, is distraction. Because evil will abound. I pray about this all the time. Because evil will abound. Do you get what Jesus said? Evil's what? It's going to abound. These post-millennialists who think that we're going to make this into a Christian world and then Jesus will come, don't read the, 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 the writings of Jesus. I, I don't get it. Jesus said evil's what? It's going to abound. It's not going to get better. We're not making this a better world. It's going to become worse. And because evil is going to abound, the love of many not a few, 
the love of many is going to wax cold. We get a picture of this from the church of Ephesus. Only a few years later, when John writes to the church of Ephesus, and Jesus gives the message to give to the church of Ephesus, and he says, I know all these things that you've done. These are wonderful things. You've, you've tested those who said they're prophets, and you've seen them to be false. Nevertheless, I have one thing, one thing against you. You've lost your first love. And if you don't repent, change the way you think, and return from whence you have fallen, I'm going to come and I'm going to remove your candlestick from you. The glory is going to be gone. The world is very appealing. The stuff that's in the world is very appealing. There's a whole lot of apps to put on this thing. There's a whole lot of apps that take up your time. Um, I read a Facebook post earlier this week. That wastes your time, too. Um, I try to minimize that just to go on and see if anybody else is posting stuff. And I saw one. I'm glad that I saw. I think the Lord allowed me to see it. About someone, I'm not going to give their name because you may know them, um, who declared that they're no longer going to be going on Facebook and social media for a while because they've been convicted by it. Because they started to analyze the time that they were on it and what social media was actually asking them to do, that all of a sudden social media started to tell them what to do. Don't you want to do this? Don't you want to do that? And they started to analyze the time that they spend on social media versus the time they spend with God. And you have to ask yourself, what's more important to you? There's a whole lot of apps to take up my time. A whole lot of apps to take up my time. And I've got to be careful to not be putting things on. Romans 14 talks about not making a way for your own flesh. I'm messing that up. Somebody had a... Um, no, make a provision. Thank you. To not make a provision for my flesh. I'm telling you, I'm pretty good at that. Okay? I mean, I'm a hacker. I'm a, my background is a computer science guy. I'm a hacker. I know how to get around stuff. Okay? And so I can figure out how to make myself a, a provision for my flesh. But a prayer of mine is, God, I don't want my love for you to wax cold. So part of those P's, of purity. My second one is passion. Passion. I want to be passionate for Christ. I know how impassioned I can be for football, how impassioned I can be for, for video games. I want to be more impassioned for the things of God. I want to set my mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. I want to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and not the things of the world. I want to be laying up treasures in heaven, and not on the earth. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that we're not supposed to be the forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And you know what it says next? And so much more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of the Lord. Why? Because evil is going to abound and the love of many is going to wax cold. And we need to make sure that we're continually provoking one another to love and good works. That's what Hebrews 10 is all about. 
The word provoke is the prod. It's not a nice word. I don't like being provoked. But I need to be provoked. Mark and I were texting. We'd do some things with the Homeschool Association together. And he put on a pretty terse email. No, it wasn't terse. Uh, it wasn't terse. It was just straight to the point. These are things that need to be done. And there was a list of people that needed to do things because we were working on something. And things just kept getting to get... Uh, and he, he says, I hope that didn't... I said, no, man. It's exactly what I needed to be prodded at that moment. It's really okay. Things needed to happen, so it was really good. I needed that. At that moment, I needed that. I needed the reminder. That's why I tell you guys, text me. If you ask me to do something, text me, because I am going to forget. I don't mean to forget, but I'm going to forget. So I need to be provoked. I need to be prodded. You need to push me. I am lazy. I tell that people say, no, you ain't lazy. No, no, you don't know me. And inherently, most of you, if not all of you, are lazy. Okay? You'd rather just sit around and not do anything and let somebody else do the work. Okay? Okay, I mean, I know I can be industrious at times, but even the industrious still like to what? Go off and play. Okay? Evil is abounding right now. Evil is abounding. And we're watching in this land the love of many waxing cold. What are you doing? To fight against it. Are you spending more and more time with the people of God? Are you spending more, more time with God Himself and His Word and in His presence? What are you doing to combat? Are you putting on the whole armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, having on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and the shield of faith, and having done all praying? It's a war. It's a war. I don't want to make too much about it, but I really do want to make a lot about it. Because I find this is, this is what's killing the church of the United States right there. It's an amazing thing. That's the negative side. Jesus gives a positive, though, in his spiritual struggles. And he says, in this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. Isn't this exciting? The gospel is going to be preached in all the world as a witness to all the what? What word do you think it is? Ethnos. So, not necessarily nations. It'll be given to all the people groups. That's exciting. Again, as I mentioned, the, the Bamfords, so, so Justin's um, new Bride is Carrie Bamford. The Bamfords are missionaries in the jungles of the Philippines. They've been there for over 20 years, planted a church, and now Jonathan Bamford is translating the New Testament into southern Isnag. Okay? It's just a, a group of about 5,000, 5,500 people. It's southern Isnag. It's not northern Isnag. Okay? And it's, yeah, it's, it's just this little group. They have this, it's not just a dialect, it's its own language. They have a drawl. But now a drawl is just a dialect. And so it's just, there are major things that are different about it that make it its own language. That they can't just switch it to another thing. It's actually um, closer to Tagalog, okay, which is what um, Arlene knows, um, than it is actually to Northern Iznag. It's really kind of funny. Anyways, I had a long conversation about languages with John. It was really kind of fun. Anyways, but he's in this little bitty people group. How cool is this, right? And there's all these little people groups, these ethnos 
around the world. And God is sending people into these different ethnos. There are thousands of ethnos in, in, in New Guinea by itself. You younger people, there is a great need for people to take the word to these people groups. Now, I want you to be careful because there are people out there trying to get people out there to take the gospel out to every ethnos so that what? Yes, they're going to bring Jesus. <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to we're build our radio towers and we send the signal. And that's good because they give the gospel out. That's a good thing. But if the motivation is that we're going to force Jesus to come, that kind of doesn't work very well. Okay, it doesn't happen that way. However, Jesus just Jesus said, this is going to happen. And we have everything. Think about it. He's laid everything out. To whom much is given, much is required. He's given us everything. I can teach you Greek and Hebrew here. You don't need to go off someplace. You don't need to. I teach you Greek and Hebrew. And then you go off and learn Southern Isnag. <laughs> and translate the Greek, not from the English, translate it from the Greek and the Hebrew. You can do that. You really can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. you. Even you older folks, you can do this. I'm too old. I can't do that. Yes, you can. I can tell you lots of stories of people who hit retirement age and then put in a second career for Jesus. It all depends on what you want. But Jesus said, in that spiritual struggle, even though all that's going to go on, the love of many is going to wax cold, the gospel, the gospel is going to go out. And when it does, then the end will come. So, the expectation of his return is exciting as well. Three points real quick as we um, look at this, beginning of verse 23. He says, oh, before we do that, I want to talk about that, the, the remainder of that, that struggle. Um, look at verse, um, beginning of verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, no nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be what? Shortened. Which means what? Say again, Don. Sooner than you thought. But what else do you get from that? Pre-rapture? Uh, pre, pre that's pre-trib rapture is what you probably... Is a, I don't know who said it, but it's probably what you're thinking. But, but potentially, but you're, you're making a leap on that one. All I know, what I'm told by Jesus, is the elect are going to be there in the midst of this tribulation, this utter devastation that's going to be happening. Do you understand? There's going to be believers there. A lot of people who, and again, you can go where you want on this, but a lot of who, people who are pre-trib rapturists want to bring the rapture happening in Revelation chapter 4 when John is called up. But I never see it. It's not there. I see it in Revelation 10. I see this great mighty angel messenger coming down with a, in the clouds with a rainbow wrapped around his head. And he puts his foot on, the, on this and that. And there's good people that I, I that are believers and that kind of stuff I, so, who don't, don't agree with me on this. Okay, And that's okay. But Jesus said, I mean, part of the things I believe is just, it's consistent with what all the prophets said and what Jesus said. Jesus said, believers, the elect, they're going to be there in this part of this great tribulation. We think we're going to get a buy because we're, we're Americans. We think as Americans we're going to get this buy. Go talk to a bunch of believers in a lot of other lands right now who are losing their heads. Who are going into prisons for the name of Jesus. 
Ask them if they got a buy. If you think as Americans we get a buy, you're sadly mistaken. I think we're the ones who are waxing cold. And we need to be careful. We're like frogs in a kettle, ready to be boiled and we don't even know it. So we move on into 23. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or there, do not believe it, for false messiahs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the what? Even the elect. Okay? So when these false messiahs and false prophets come, there's still going to be believers here. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he, that is Messiah, is in a desert, do not go out. Or look, he, that is Messiah, is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles be gathered together. So how do you suppose Jesus is going to come? Think he's going to be born again? Not born again like born again. Do you think he's going to be coming to the earth as a baby? Clearly it's not. I mean, that's what he says, right? How's he going to come? Well, in the clouds, because we don't really see clouds here, but in the clouds. But he's going to come like a lightning bolt. Fast. That's exactly right. It's going to boom. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, it's going to be like the twinkling of, a, of an eye. And yet we're going to be told that every eye is going to what? See him as well. It's kind of exciting stuff that's going to happen. Don't you? The best thing we know about prophecy is that we'll know it what? When it, after it happens or when it happens. We can conjecture all we want. Make sense? But there's certain things we do what? No, we do know. There's certain things we don't know. You're right. But there's certain things we do know. Jesus gave us, right? He's going to come. It's going to be like a lightning bolt from the east to the west. I mean, boom, it's going to happen. Okay? So, the first thing we know is the unmistakable nature of his return. He is going to return. He's going to return. Look at it. I mean, and then the Son of Man, verse 30, will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. Now we read about the clouds of heaven. With power and great glory, he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other, okay? And so we're going to have this taking up of the elect, okay, at the sounding of a what? At a trumpet, okay? And so he's going to come in the clouds, and there's going to be a trumpet sound, okay? Again, I just challenge you to, to don't have preconceived notions. Don't let, and I'm, I'm not picking on Tim LaHaye, because I like Tim LaHaye a lot, but he's the one who wrote the Left Behind series, and so he becomes the, the main teacher of people about the pre-tribulational position, okay, through all those stories. But don't let that... If you would mislead you, read the Word of God, okay? And find out what God says in His Word about this thing, okay? And that's what people always say, I don't know if I'd go against... It's like, man, that's the traditions. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You're, you're afraid to go against traditions. I want to go with what God's Word says, not with what I'm told doctrinally and theologically by seminaries and different people that I've got to believe, okay? So I challenge you, I challenge you. Please study this out. Read. Don't just take my word, <clears throat> my word for it and listen to what I'm telling you, okay? Because that would be equally as wrong. Okay? You're given the word of God. Read it. Study it. Okay? Don't be lazy. <laughs> okay? So, the unmistakable nature of his return. Secondly, the unrevealed nature of his return. Okay? We know it's going to come. 
However, part of this unrevealed nature, beginning in verse 32, now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. The unrevealed nature of His return, we don't know when it's going to be, but we know it's going to be, and we're told it's like the fig tree. So when the fig tree starts to put forth the leaves, right, and we see the buds on it, do you realize that a fig really is a flower? It's really what it is. I didn't know that until just recently. I was studying that from one of the other messages. And that actually the flower kind of doesn't fall off. It kind of closes up. And, and actually the fig is actually the flower itself. It's kind of really kind of cool actually when you start to study it out. Anyways, and so that's why Jesus got all upset about that fig tree because it was, it was giving him a false testimony. And um, anyways, and so when, when, when it's got its leaves on it, you know that it's getting close to time for eating figs, okay? My neighbor has a pomegranate tree in the middle of the backyard. We were painting the shed yesterday. I looked over, and there's little yellow bulbs, Christmas bulbs, all over this tree. Those are future pomegranates. There's a lot of work to eat a pomegranate. They're really good. But so I'd rather just have the pomegranate juice. Anyways, you know, I'm lazy. I'm lazy. I don't want to go through all that. Right? Make my own pomegranate juice with all those seeds. Come on. Anyways, but I love it, man. You pull that thing apart and just take a bite of it. Juicy, juicy. I know, I know that in a couple months, three months, there's going to be delectable pomegranates. When I see those stinking little pollen sacks hanging from my pecan trees, I'm allergic to those. Anyways, and so they're all there, there, and i got five pecan trees in my backyard. But I know that six months after I see those pollen sacks, I'm going to be seeing what? Squirrels. <laughs> squirrels, no. <laughs> no, I see squirrels already. I might see pecans based upon the squirrels. No, i got to kill more squirrels. Anyways, but I'm going to see pecans all over my yard. They didn't just evolve in the middle of my yard. They grew. I know these things. Make sense? That's what Jesus is saying. Look, we just naturally know these things. When you begin to see all those other things we talked about start to happen, are we seeing them happen? Then guess what? It's getting nearer. It's getting closer and closer and closer. And honestly, straight up, again, from the, we talked about Sunday school, the chronology side and the details that God gives, I really think I've done this chronology stuff. I really think he's coming in my lifetime. If he doesn't, He's God. He can do what he wants to do. But chronologically, I believe Jesus is coming in my lifetime. Okay? I'm not giving days and hours and that kind of stuff. I won't go there. But based upon all, what I, all my studies, I'm excited about it. I'm excited. I think, you know. Um, but I also know, as Joel or Amos said, that the day of the Lord is a day of great darkness. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a wonderful time. So I'm not excited about that moment. Make sense? I'm excited about Jesus coming, but I'm not excited about what's probably getting ready to happen in this land. We are so close. One decision away in, 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 in the Congress. Think about how different decisions have changed everything we know. Okay? All we need is one. That's the CNRC. That's the, the, the United Nations Conventions on the, on the Rights of Children. When it gets signed, it's been, it's, Madeleine Albright signed it years ago with Bill Clinton being president. 
as the, as the UN ambassador, has been sitting in our Congress ever since waiting to be ratified. Once it's ratified, we give our sovereignty over to the United Nations. We've become subservient, like all the other nations have become. We've still fought against it. Once it happens, we go under the world court. Once it happens, I promise you, life as you know it is going to change overnight, overnight. You cannot spank in all these lands. You cannot homeschool in all these lands because of the United Nations Conventions of the Rights of Children. It's not good for the children. It's good for the international community. It's good for the Antichrist who's coming. And it's sitting there. Go check me out on this. It's sitting there. It's been sitting there for decades, waiting to be ratified. I'm not a prophet, a son of a prophet. But I really, I'm, I'm, I watch that thing, knowing that when that thing signs, everything's changing. Overnight, it's going to change. Finally, the unexpected nature of his return. We're told that it was as it was in the days of Noah. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Could you imagine that? That goofy old coot building a big old boat in his backyard on dry land. 120 years building that big old boat. Crazy old coot. I think some of their, their, their parties were probably having parties in, in his, on his account. Let's have a, let's have a laugh, laugh about Noah party, you know? Until what? Until the day he got in the boat. Because the day he got in the boat, all of a sudden the hand shows up like it was many, many Tequil Farson, right? Did you think about it? The, boat, the door was closed from the outside. It was pitched from the outside. Noah couldn't have done that. Did you ever think about how that happened? Did you ever think about the big God hand that, that, that came and pushed the door shut? And all of a sudden, the big old the tar brush that came and was pitching the door. Could you imagine being with the neighbor? Uh, how did they do that? Where did that big old brush come from? In the middle of the house, going like that. The parade of animals. Coming through and all this stuff, right? What ex- how exciting all this was. And then all of a sudden, the door closes, the pitch goes on, and immediately, I'm sure, what? What's that? Water from the sky. That must be what he was talking about. There was a whole lot of believers that day. But it was what? Too late. So it will be in these days. Peter says they'll start mocking creation. They're going to start mocking even the flood. If you were here in between, I have a picture on my, now my, on my computer I got to go to Mount St. Helens last week. It's been a dream of mine for many years. I'm excited I got to go there. But even in the background of the picture, when the folks took the picture, you can see this, um, the canyon that was carved when the, the, the dam broke. And it's a miniature Grand Canyon, and it totally disproves evolution. It's just an amazing sight, this place. But in the, in the visitor center and in the Johnson Observatory, right next to it, right next to where the canyon is, no mention at all, none, not, zilch, nothing about that canyon. They don't even act like it even existed. A whole lot of details about everything else, about the, the, the lateral blast and how the trees went down. They don't talk about the petrified forest that's at the bottom of Spirit Lake. That is an exact replica of Yellowstone. And it happened in hours. The canyon that was cut in hours not over millions of years by the little stream that's going through it. Zilch. They suppressed the 
truth. We're in the days, folks. We need to wake up and be, like Paul said to the Thessalonians, to be those who are of the day and not of the night. We can't be ostriches with our heads in the sand. We've got to recognize what's going on. So, if an imposter came, would you know what he or she, that he or she was a fake? I had he was a fake, and then this morning when I was reading through it, I said, no! A lot of them are what? Or women. So he or she. Are you studying the manual? Why do you think God gave this to us? Why do you... I mean, isn't it exciting? Think about Mr. Gutenberg. I can't remember his first name right now. Okay? I mean, think about it. This guy came up with a printing press. And now we have this. And we don't just have that, but many of you don't even have something like that anymore. You got these. And I've got two different app, Bible apps. Because on the one Bible app, I got multiple English ones. And on the other one, I got my Greek and my Hebrew and I got Spanish and different languages on it that I can go and I can check it all out. Isn't that fun? It's all right here. If we want to use it. If we want to study it. If we want to be prepared. How is your love for God? In fact, it was this thing that I got to talk to this woman about. I didn't have my Bibles down in my bag. So I was able to use all this to show her the Greek and the Hebrew and all the different the, the, the stuff and just kind of show her. She was just awed. You know, like, all this is on there. Yeah, it's all on here. Isn't that kind of fun? How is your love for God? Do you love him more than anything else? Is your love waxing cold? I promise you, look, there's so many times I just get on my knees. God, I know. I feel it. I feel it. My, my love is waxing cold. There's a battle going on for my soul. I know it. I don't want to go that way. Why do I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I do want to do? There is a war that's going on. And the more you want to serve God, I promise you, the greater the battle is going to be. Is there a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the promise of your return. Oh, how glorious it will be when we are in your presence and this body of sin is done away with. And Lord, that there won't even be an inkling of a thought of selfishness and self-centeredness, but Lord, just to, to totally magnify and glorify you and bless your holy name. Lord, I pray that you would help us, help us to yearn for you, Lord, more than we yearn for the things of this world. In Jesus' name, amen.